At Bryan Health, we care for patients, educate tomorrow's healthcare providers, motivate our community with fitness and health programs, and collaborate to continually improve how we serve others. That's why we are proud to present another Bryan Health podcast. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome to Brian Health Podcast. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're discussing eczema. Joining me is Dr. Casey Bowen. He's a dermatologist at Dermatology Associates of Lincoln. Dr. Bowen, it's a pleasure to have you join us today. First, tell the listeners a little working definition. What exactly is eczema? Eczema is more specifically called atopic dermatitis, but eczema is how it's generally known. And that's an itchy skin condition. Uh, often related to allergies and asthma. The term comes from the Greek exine, which means effervescent or to boil forth. And in its acute phase, that's kind of how it presents as an eruption, often with little tiny blisters um, or a wet rash. It affects up to 10% of children in the U.S. And some of them can grow out of it and develop it later on in adulthood. And every once in a while, it presents only in adulthood. It is just kind of an itchy, dry rash. So then what age does it typically present itself? And how do parents, if it's a child, know the difference between sometimes rashes that we see, we see all kinds of rashes on our kids, and something that is eczema and that can become really chronic? We don't typically see it present before two months of age. Um, It certainly can, especially in families where there's a strong history of eczema. And um, fortunately, the pediatricians in town are very good at picking this up and are good at differentiating often between cradle cap, which we see earlier on in eczema. The parents should look for kids being kind of dry, red, itchy, and rashy before the kids are real good at scratching. The the rash doesn't um, have very obvious presentation. Once they get a little bit more coordinated, then they can start scratching where it itches. And, and we do refer to this as the itch that rashes, meaning that most of what we see is self-induced. Do we know what causes it, Dr. Bowen? You mentioned family history a little while ago. Is there any autoimmune cause? Is there anything we know about this? So this is a very well-studied disease. It turns out the primary culprit is a a gene called filaggrin, and we're supposed to get copies from each of our parents. And the fewer copies of this gene we get, the worse our disease tends to be. And it is often associated with what we call the atopic triad, which is allergies and asthma. And it's not in the autoimmune family as we think of those conditions, but it is kind of an overreactive immune system in the portion of allergies um, that uh, has has historically been to fight parasites. And then um, instead of fighting parasites in developed countries, it fights, you know, detergents and perfumes and wool and things like that. So then what's the management? What do you do for children for whom this is diagnosed? And how do you help parents to manage that itching and the kids' really frustration? And it's very uncomfortable. Oh, it is absolutely uncomfortable. I think that a lot of patients and parents self-treat. So um, we only see probably half of the patients with uh, with eczema or, or true atopic dermatitis because a lot of them are mild and they learn that they can't use harsh soaps or strong fragrances and they need to use a, a regular moisturizer. For the ones that don't, that's who we tend to see in our clinic or referred over by our uh, great pediatricians in town. 
those need to be uh, managed by a regimen of topical steroids uh, to reduce inflammation and then also um, a pretty strict regimen of um, mild soaps and kind of cautious bathing and then aggressive use of topical emollients. So now let's talk about either some of the myths or things that surround it. You mentioned environment, detergents, things like that. Tell us if diet affects eczema, the environment, the things around our house that could exacerbate an eczema outbreak. Tell us a little bit about some of those. We often get that question, and the short answer is yes. So there are many foods that can aggravate uh, atopic dermatitis or eczema, but the avoidance diets that have been kind of recommended in the past are not recommended. We don't say, you know, stop all grains and, and uh, dairy and fruits and all that. We say if, if a particular food makes the eczema flare, then that's one to cut out. So if every time that uh, they have strawberries, they get a rash on their face, well, that's one to, you know, kind of cut back on. There are some uh, things in the diet which can actually help uh, eczema. And so yogurts with live cultures have been shown to improve the balance of kind of good bacteria on the skin. And then there's some other kind of supplements that can help to increase the expression of that filaggrin gene. And one is called L-histidine. That's a, a vitamin you can get on kind of online or at the local pharmacy. And then there's a a product, a plant-based product called phytoceramides, which you can, it can kind of supplement into the foods and help uh, and help the body make its own moisture. You can also supplement that through the skin with moisturizers like CeraVe. CeraVe is a uh, stands for ceramide vehicle, and putting that on the skin can actually be absorbed and help the body make its own uh, its own moisture. We do recommend in families that have a, a peanut allergy that they're very careful of that uh, if there's any family history of anaphylaxis. But in general, we recommend kind of advancing foods one at a time and just watching for um, symptoms of uh, allergy, uh, rash, diarrhea, wheeze. So we've been hearing over the years about eczema and any predisposition, you've mentioned allergies and asthma, are there any of the true autoimmune diseases that now maybe this child is at risk? Do we know what that risk is or how they're all linked together? We're learning more and more. Um, prior to a few years ago, there was no good medications for this. Everything that we did for really, really bad eczema after topical steroids was a, a mild form of poison. We'd use um, chemotherapy drugs like methotrexate, and we'd use transplant drugs like um, Cellcept, things that would really, really suppress the immune system. Um, as we learn more about the particular chemicals that are involved in the inflammation of atopic dermatitis, the drugs have gotten much more advanced and much more targeted to the specific type of inflammation. The lifelong risk of eczema, we, we see studies come out like this from, from time to time, that there may be increased risk of heart disease, there may be increased risk of ADHD, attention deficit disorder, uh, and hi hyperactivity disorder. And that may just be that you know kids in the classroom who are itchy all the time have a hard time paying attention. Um, that anything with chronic inflammation would can predispose to other kind of inflammatory things down the line. We see increased risk of vitiligo, increased risk of um, alopecia areata, which is like a circular hair loss, and um, sometimes we see increased risk of thyroid disease. And these are all just kind of linked in these kind of pro-inflammatory states. Wow, it's so interesting. And as you said, it's it's being studied and has been studied as we wrap up. Please tell us what you want parents to know about children with eczema. Are outdoor activities okay? 
Give us a little summary of your best advice for good skincare for children with eczema and when you really want parents to take their kids to a dermatologist. I will start with kind of summer and go to winter. So um, in the summer, kids with eczema absolutely encourage some uh, UV. UV light suppresses inflammation. Obviously, as a dermatologist, I don't advocate um, carefree UV exposure as it can lead to skin cancer. Um, but a little bit of uh, controlled sunlight, especially outside of the hours of 10 to 2 when it, the UV is the most intense, can actually make eczema better as long as they don't get sunburned. We want to use physical block or mineral sunscreens containing zinc and titanium because those are less irritating to the skin and want to make sure that the act, outdoor activities, you know, if, if grass is making their allergies flare, um, that can make their eczema flare and, and that can be counterproductive. Um, but getting in a swimming pool is, is fine as long as we shower off afterwards and, and apply a moisturizer. And then as we get into the winter months, um, the things that tend to make eczema flare are stress, dry air, cold temperatures, wool-type clothing, um, all the things that uh, you would expect to find in Nebraska in the winter. Um, and so then we really want to be focusing on using a moisturizer, not stripping the oil from our skin with harsh soaps, things like that. So if we have parents that are doing these kind of best uh, practices using the you know good skincare and and they're not able to stay on top of it, first line of defense is a pediatrician's office. You know our over the counter uh, topical steroid, and uh, if those don't seem to be cut in, then absolutely make up an appointment and let's see if there's something that we can do to help, uh, or if there's an allergy that has developed on the skin that we need to um, eliminate from that child or even adults' daily exposures. What great information. So important for parents to hear when the right time is to see a dermatologist and how to help their child with eczema. Thank you so much, Dr. Bowen, for joining us today. And thanks to our Bryan Foundation partner, Union Bank and Trust. That concludes this episode of Bryan Health Podcast. Please visit our website at bryanhealth.org for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. Please also remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Bryan Health Podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.